This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. I want to start by apologizing that it's taken me so long to get some new episodes put together. I've been traveling a bit, and it's been hard to find places to record and also ways to gather my thoughts. Today I find myself in a Bible school in central Romania. I'm here teaching on the prophetic gift. And if you haven't heard my teaching on that, I encourage you to go back to previous episodes where I present the same information on the prophetic gift. And I was invited here to Romania to teach on this to pastors here in central Romania. And so between sessions, I thought I would do a little bit of recording and get something out there for you all. And it's a good opportunity for me to tell a story that will show how I think about things and how God has been leading myself and others in the ministry. I also apologize, you might hear a rooster crowing in the background. (laughs) I'm in a little village. It's a remarkable place. This little farming community in the rolling hills near the Carpathians here in central Romania. And actually what I want to talk about is how I came to be in Romania. I need to go back a little ways here. As of this recording, I am the executive director of a ministry called Stoneworks International. And I realize that at some point in the future, I will not be the executive director of Stoneworks International. So by the time you hear this, maybe some years in the future, uh, I may not have this role anymore. And hopefully the ministry is going to continue. Surely it will. If you'd like to know about the work that we do, you can visit stoneworks.ngo, and that'll tell you a little bit about what I'm involved in and the partners that we have around Europe. We have ministry partners in Russia, Belarus, Estonia, Montenegro, up in Norway, Moldova, Romania. So it's this last country on the list that I'll talk about now. We are called Stoneworks International because we felt when we started the organization 15 years or so ago, that God led us to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And we read there what Peter wrote. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And this idea of living stones is how the Lord led us to build the organization that supports the ministry to which God has called us. And so the name Stoneworks is based on 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5, that God wants our ministry to be built as living stones. And so an application of that is that our priority is on relationships that he establishes as opposed to our ministry having a program that we want to bring to different parts of the world, we look to see the relationships that God is establishing. And then by honoring those relationships, we are involved in various kinds of ministry. But the ministry is more like leaves that are fluttering in the wind. The leaves don't move themselves. It's the wind that moves the leaves. The wind is unseen, but that's the motivating power for the movement of the leaves. And for me, the ministry that we're involved in is like the leaves. The projects that we do are like leaves. 
the motivating power is the work of God as he establishes relationships. And the reason that I'm sitting in a little Bible school in the middle of Romania is a very good example of how God has unfolded these relationships to lead me to this point where I am today. So I'd like to tell that story. Of course, it can go way, way back because there's an unbroken chain of relationships that led me here. So I have to pick a beginning point somehow. Through, (laughs) yeah, it's hard to know where to start. So we have ministry partners in Montenegro. And if you don't know where Montenegro is, which was true of myself until God led me there, It's a country that's on the Adriatic coast. If you stood in Rome, Italy, and went due east across the Italian peninsula, and then straight across the Adriatic Sea, I think that would hit you right about at Montenegro. It's a country on the coast of the Adriatic in the Balkans. And through a series of relationships in Montenegro, we partnered on various projects. And then, I promise I will tell this story, because it's really remarkable. We ended up having relationships and partnering with a church in Moldova. And that was through a Norwegian believer in his time of prayer led us to this connection in Moldova. When I first wanted to visit Moldova, I was in Montenegro and wanted to drive to Moldova. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I drive quite a bit around Europe because it's very handy to have a car and be able to move and carry people and uh, be more flexible with scheduling and also moving around the countries that I visit as well. If we're running a camp, it's nice to have a van. I usually drive a van so we can haul people or food or supplies, different things to camp. So we were going to drive from Montenegro to Moldova, and I looked at the map, and I saw that about halfway between those two, I think it's maybe 16 hours or more of a drive from where we were in No, it'd be more than that, probably, maybe 20 hours total driving from Montenegro to Moldova. I looked, and there was Romania in the middle of that trip, and I thought, well, it'd be nice to have a place to stop in Romania, a place to stay, spend the night. And so I just put the word out to some ministry friends who had connections in this part of the world and said, does anybody know anyone in Romania where we could spend the night as we're passing through going over to Moldova? It's my wife and my daughter and myself were driving to Moldova. And through a friend of a friend of a friend, we were given the name of a contact person in Sigishwara, Romania. And there, a lady named Mikhaila, I believe is her name, she was in Canada, but she had an apartment in the city center of Sigishwara. And she said, you can stay there if you want to. And so... We said, well, that sounds great. And then through some emails, we arranged to meet with a local young lady named Adela, and she was going to give us a key to this apartment. And unbeknownst to us, she also set up a meeting for us that evening. And we arrived after dark in Sigishwara. It is a rainy night, hard to see. We found the apartment. We met Adela, got the key to the apartment, and then she told us that she had set up a meeting with a local missionary. His name is David McGuire. And he's an Englishman who has lived in Romania for, at that point, he'd lived here well over 20 years. So we went to meet him. Uh, didn't know anything about him. But we were in Sigishwara for less than 12 hours and thought, well, that's fine. We'll just go meet him. 
And when we met David and spoke with him, I began to sense that perhaps God was building something here, that there was some sense that perhaps God wanted me to continue getting to know David. And this idea of living stones was in my mind. Is this a relationship that God is establishing? And so I want to take the next step on that. And after returning home to Russia, I continued communicating with David. And at the time, we didn't get to meet his wife, Rodiga. She's a Romanian, and their daughter, Sabrina. And as we talked, it began to feel more and more like, yeah, maybe God is making a connection here for us. I never planned to be involved in ministry in Romania. I never thought about it. Oh, and it's very funny. When we got here, we were in this little apartment in the city center of Sigishwara. Sigishwara is a very ancient city. I've heard that it is the oldest continuously occupied town in Europe. It's an ancient place, and the building in which we were staying was a very old building in the medieval city center. And we got on the internet, and I said, you know, I think Transylvania is somewhere in Romania. And those of you who know the stories of Dracula know that that's a famous place, or at least well-known in mythology. So I got on the internet and looked around, and it turned out that Sigishwara is kind of considered the capital of Transylvania. (laughs) And I never thought I'd ever be in Transylvania, for goodness sake, and here I was. And actually later we visited the room where Dracula was born. Uh, He was a prince in this part of the world, and, you know, don't believe all the stories you hear about him that are made up, but he's a real person. So it's remarkable sometimes God will lead us into places where we never, ever expected to be. And as a result of pursuing these relationships with David and his wife, I asked David at one point, if we could send a team, if we could help you in your ministry, what would that look like? How could we help you in your ministry? And he said that he'd never had anybody ask him that before. David has been involved in building houses for poor people for years. He's built hundreds of houses. And all the teams that come over are coming over to help build a house and be involved in the construction process. And he'd never really had anybody just say, if you could have any kind of mission team, a group of foreigners come in and do some ministry, what would you like them to do? How could they help you? So I asked him that. And he said, oh, I would love to have a team that does prophetic ministry in the villages. Sigishwara is a pretty good-sized town, dotted around out in the countryside here. are Lots of small villages. Some of them are Hungarian-speaking exclusively. And there are little churches all dotted around in these villages. They're all part of a community of churches. David had been doing ministry in these villages, both to the churches and to the unchurched poor. And so when he said that he'd like to have a team that would do some prophetic ministry... And again, I've talked about it quite a bit. The prophetic ministry can be confusing to people, but it's really quite simple when you look at how the New Testament defines it. And what we did when we brought a team over here, we went into the villages and we would pray with people. And it was a little bit of a challenge to explain to them, we're not here to pray for your needs, for you to tell us what's going on in your life and for us to pray about it. We're here to pray and ask the Lord if he has an encouraging word for you today. And that's what the prophetic ministry is. I did some teaching, of course, and was invited to speak at several places, but the team primarily was doing prophetic ministry. So we'd go into a small village, meet in one of the church buildings, or in one case, out in the backyard, set up a bunch of benches, and met in the shade of the trees in the yard. And and then we would sit with people and say, let's pray and see what God has for you. 
And very, very often these prophetic words came that were so helpful and so encouraging and would instruct people and touch their hearts. And there's one young man here who was at a big transition point, and I had a word for him that was dead-on accurate, and it really helped him understand how to make decisions over the coming months. A year later, I came back, and he said, you know, everything that you said has come to pass. I prayed for him again, and I shared some things that God put on my heart, and he was very encouraged. And then a year later, I came, and he said, it's amazing. Everything you've said has really helped me, really, really been a blessing to his wife, and to him, and to his ministry. So that's the prophetic ministry. Now I'll say that I never had a plan to do prophetic ministry in Romanian villages in Transylvania. I never would have imagined it. And yet we build our ministry based on this idea of living stones. That's how God has spoken to us as a ministry. It's not just me. We have a board of directors We all agree on everything. I think I've mentioned this before, that as a leadership team, we will not make a decision unless we have 100% agreement at every point. Uh, We have a board of, I think, eight now. And whenever we have a meeting, twice a year we have meetings, we have to make decisions. And we just added recently some new partners, Jacob and Karina Starnes, who will be ministering in another city here in Romania. And when we invited them to join Stoneworks, it was based on 100% agreement among all of the leaders in Stoneworks. So we are committed to complete unity, and we are committed to watching and seeing who are these living stones that God is setting us with, and how can we help them do what God is calling them to do. And I liken this process to what I imagine mining for gold is like. This is what I think it's probably like. If you were digging for gold by hand with a shovel, let's say, and you dig through the earth and then you find a little vein of gold, a little piece of gold, and then you turn and you follow that line of gold and you follow it up to the source. And if it's a rich vein of gold, it'll open up and widen and you'll find more and more and it'll it'll become richer and richer. That's the way it is for us with these relationships. For me, it often takes a year or so to discern, is this really God building a relationship, one that we need to respect and honor? And sometimes we cross paths with people and we kind of pursue the relationships, but nothing really comes of it, and that's okay too. But sometimes, like here with the McGuire's and now with other believers in this area, as we follow that line and stay faithful to it, it opens up and there's more and more and more. And I'm blessed, I'm so blessed here as I'm speaking to these pastors, encouraging them and teaching them on the gifts of the Spirit, the prophetic gift in particular. And we have good fellowship. It's beautiful to see the unity of the Spirit among these men who speak various languages. They're speaking Romanian and Hungarian, and there's English speakers there. One pastor has spent a lot of time in Spain, and so he speaks Romanian and Spanish and And it's just beautiful to see how God blesses that work. It's not our work, it's his work. I understand better and better the scriptures that say we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When I am sure that God has established a relationship, that Jesus wants me in relationship with another person, then I can submit to that person out of my reverence for what Christ has done. 
this applies to church membership, and I want to challenge some of you. It's very common in the Western church, and I think most of my listeners are in the Western church. It's very common to go church shopping, to find a fellowship where we don't really have conflict and where we feel like we fit in. And I don't think about finding my church in that way. Uh, As I've mentioned, the way Olga and I think about it is we want to be where God puts us, and we want to be 100% sure that we are where God has set us as living stones among a community of believers. In America, there are a couple of churches where we feel like, yeah, we're really connected there. To be honest, I have some doctrinal differences with um, one of those churches, but that's okay because the Lord has set me there by His Spirit as a living stone. And if in my flesh I were to choose my own community, I might not choose that one. I might go find something that felt better or fit better or whatever, but I don't even think that way. If you're in a church and you've got some conflict going on, I encourage you, you pray and you say, Lord, do you want me here? Is this where you have set me? Let it be his decision, not your decision. And if he set you there, then stay there because he wants to use you to bless the people there. And he wants to use the people there to bless you. And sometimes it's this iron sharpening iron effect Sometimes he uses the believers around us to knock the rough edges off of us, to sharpen us up, make us better, right? He uses those relationships. But if we try to dodge out from under that, then we're going to miss that blessing. Uh, Some friends of mine in America say that church is a place you go to die to yourself. And in a consumer society, very often, church is a place people go to enjoy themselves or to build themselves up or find some meaning in their own life. But as I've tried to apply that thought to my life in fellowship, that my role in a church is to die to myself. It's really to go and serve, to serve God by serving people, to lay my life down for others. And honestly, if we have churches that are full of people like that, it's just going to be beautiful. Christians laying their lives down for other Christians, considering others above themselves looking and seeing that God has set us together as living stones, and then submitting to one another out of reverence for that knowledge of being set together. Now, I will say that we're not perfect in this. I'm not perfect by any means. There are a lot of times when I miss the mark, a lot of times when I don't honor others the way that I should. I'm sure there are many, many times when I don't even hear the voice of God because I'm not listening as I should. However, This is the way God wants us as a ministry and me as a believer and my family to think about the way God is building us up into the body of Christ, that he is setting us together with other believers to be built up as a spiritual house. And Jesus himself is a living stone. He's rejected by men, but chosen and precious by God. And the Bible says that Jesus is that cornerstone. He sets the orientation of the building, that's the cornerstone. And he's also the capstone. He finishes out the very top of the building. He finishes the roof. He is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And he sets us together as living stones. He wants to set us together as living stones. A lot of people don't think that way. And so I think people that don't see themselves as a living stone, they're missing a blessing, a really wonderful blessing. That, of course, includes self-denial, 
that that is the path to grace. Well, over the past several years here in Romania, the work has expanded. We've brought mission teams, and now I'm speaking at a Bible school, and I'll speak at some other churches. And when I'm not physically in Romania, we continue in partnership to support the work here. We are just one of several partners of the work that's being done, building houses and doing various kinds of ministry here in this region. The Lord says that if we're faithful with a little, he'll entrust more to us. And I feel like the work here in Romania is an example of that. We are trying to be faithful in small ways, offer what few gifts we have to help the church here do what God is calling it to do. And as we've been faithful in little things, then other things open up and new opportunities arise. And at each of those points, there's a moment of prayer, of course, to say, Lord, do you want me to enter into this? When I considered a trip here to Romania earlier, David invited me to speak here at this Bible school, and I had to pray about that. Lord, is that a door that you're opening? And David and I agreed, yeah, it is. And so together we work in unity, and we can see God's blessing in it all. It's his work. It's not our work. It's his work. So I think I tell this story just to encourage you. You can be at peace. God is doing a work, and he is the great craftsman. He's the great builder of the church. He will set you where he wants you to be. He will set you among other people, close to other people, as a living stone. And when you're set in that place, when you're in the place that God has for you, in spiritual fellowship with other believers then there's a strength that comes from it. Just as a wall of stone is very strong. Remember the scriptures say that we're bound together by love. And I think of the mortar that holds these living stones together. That mortar, the thing that binds us together is love. And Jesus said, people are going to know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. And what is love but to lay your life down for the other person? So as I relate to people here in Romania, I want to lay my life down for them. I don't want to take it up. I want to lay it down because that's love. That's how I can love the brothers and sisters here. And I encourage you that way. Be sure of where God has set you as a living stone. Make sure. Ask him. Say, Lord, is this where you want me to be? Be sure in your spirit. Yes, this is where the Lord has set me as a living stone. And if you're not sure, ask and wait for him to give you revelation. So that's just a short look at how we think about ministry and how I ended up here in Romania. Now I want to point out that I know my life is um, sort of dramatic compared to many other people's lives. I'll remind you that for many years I lived in America and had a job working there and was settled and thought I would never live a life like this. But the Lord has given me a different kind of life right now. So I'm not at all saying that people should live the kind of life that I have or be involved in the kinds of things I'm involved in. God has a call for everybody and places everybody where he wants them. But the fundamental understandings are the same in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a democracy, and it's not a consumerist society. (laughs) The kingdom of God is a monarchy. And we have a king, a loving king, who really cares for the good of his people. But he's a king. He's the one who makes the laws. He's the one who brings justice. 
And those of us in the West, particularly in democracies, we're used to voting for our leaders and understanding that the sovereignty of a nation is in the people. But in the kingdom of heaven, the sovereignty of the kingdom of heaven is in the sovereign, is in the king. He is the head. He's the head of the church. He is your head. He determines where he wants us to be. That's his prerogative. It's his place to decide what is best for us. And it's our place to submit because he really is trustworthy and he's loving and he's wise. He never makes a mistake about that. And he knows that often the best thing for us is something that doesn't feel very good because he knows we have to die to ourselves. We have to surrender our lives. And that death to self hurts. That discipline is painful. But as I've mentioned in a previous episode, I want that to be familiar territory. That death to self, dying daily, I really want that to be familiar territory. It doesn't make it any more pleasant, but it's familiar. And things come up now where I know, up oh, here's another opportunity to die to myself, and it's going to hurt. It's going to be hard, but it's familiar, and I know that God will get me through it. Those are the lessons that God wants to teach us. As I've said many times, there are three aspects that are necessary for us to be disciples. We have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross daily, and we have to follow him. And anyone who will not do those things is not a disciple. That's just true. It's not enough for us to tell people that. We have to live that out. We have to put that into practice. We must deny ourselves. We must take up our crosses daily, and we must follow him. That will look very different for different people. It'll look very different for you than it does for me, but it's the same call. Self-denial, a willingness to walk into suffering for the sake of Jesus, and then a life of faithfulness, not a point of faith, but a life of walking with our rabbi with our teacher. I imagine that some of my listeners are dissatisfied with life in some way. Not everyone would be, but I imagine somebody listening right now is dissatisfied. You have a sense that you're not where you should be, but you don't know where you should be. You're not content in some way. You feel like there's something else, there's something more. You're wanting more what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, what it is to live by the Spirit, what it means to walk in your gifts. So it's a sort of a holy dissatisfaction, a sacred dissatisfaction. I've been in that place, definitely. And I encourage you to do what I did, which is to pray and say, Lord, I know there's more. God, I know there's more to being a disciple. There is more life I want to participate in the flow of your power as a blessing to other people and ask the Lord to change your life in such a way that you will begin to walk in the things that you desire. Ask him to do that work in your life. And then let him do it. Be obedient to what he says. Because honestly, there's going to be some tearing down when we ask him to work in our lives in such a way that we will more fully walk with him. He's going to remove some things. 
He's going to call us to surrender the things that hinder us from fellowship with him. And that's good. That is really, really good. I had a conversation a couple of days ago with some pastors here. And the ministry that they built over 25 years came to an end. And they were shocked that it happened the way that it happened and the way it happened very quickly. And it hurt. And we were sitting at the table. They're past all that now. They're in a very fulfilling ministry now. God has moved in their lives to rebuild. And one of us said at the table, something that I've said often, it's good to be humbled. It's always good to be humbled. And the look on the pastor's faces were a mixture of a recognition of the goodness of it, but also a recognition of the hardship of going through that process. They had to surrender. They had to let go of a lot in order to receive what they have now. They had to let go of what they were involved in. And it's good to be humbled. It's good to be brought to a point where we realize, I don't have any power to do this. I do not have the ability to do what God is calling me to. Only He has the ability to do that work. There's such a great danger of getting involved in Christian service and then taking pride in the results. Spiritual pride is always just crouching, waiting to grab us. And as you get involved in various kinds of ministry, and I mean any kind of ministry, blessing the homeless, working with international students, teaching at a local congregation, running a food pantry, just keep dying to yourself. Constantly surrender yourself so that the Lord can work through you by His power so that you'll be a rock for other people as you stand in obedience on the foundation of your faith. That's what the world needs. The world needs to experience the life of Jesus through his people. And the people of God need to bring others into his presence. I've said a couple times recently to pastors here, God has no grandchildren. Every single one of us, every human being on the face of the earth, has the opportunity to come into a relationship with the Heavenly Father so that every person is a child of God. Not a grandchild of God, but a child of God. So run to your Heavenly Father. You have full access to His throne of grace. Don't think you have to be better than you are. You go to Him, and He'll make you better than you are. And lead others to Him. That's been a part of conversations recently. I spoke with a young lady the other day who She admits that she's not a Christian, but she's very close to being a Christian. And I said to her what Jesus said to a lot of people, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I told her the kingdom of heaven is very close to you, but that's not enough. God wants his kingdom to be in you. And I said to her, God has no grandchildren. God is calling you to come to him personally. She was receiving it, and she is very, very close to committing herself to becoming a follower of Jesus. I think she's 15 years old, a very thoughtful young lady, very serious. So those are good conversations to have. People need us to initiate those conversations. There are a lot of people out there that are looking for truth and rest and purpose. And we know the way to those things because Jesus is the way. So don't be hesitant. Don't be hesitant to call people to the Lord. Okay, well, I feel like I've shared enough. Next time, I think I may talk a little bit about some emails I've received recently from listeners. The reason I didn't talk about it 
now is I need to ask permission if I can use some of what they've written as I talk about the issues they bring up. And I want to remind you, please do send me a note if there's anything that I can help you with or any thoughts that you want to share with me. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. Let me say a prayer. I don't usually end these with a prayer, but I feel like I should pray right now. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you do speak clearly and you do lead us by your spirit. And God, you do lead us through your word. Amen, God, through the written word that leads us to the living word. And God, help us, I pray, to understand what it is to be living stones. God, the people that are listening now, I pray that you will speak to them as they seek you, as they ask you to answer them. God, please guide them in that everlasting way. And Father, if there's anything that I've said that is not of you, please remove it from our minds and throw it far from us. We don't want to have anything that's not of you. And Father, if there's anything that I've said that is of you, I pray that that would become a seed that would go down and bear good fruit, not just for those listening, not just for myself, but for the people that you bring into our lives so that we can be a blessing to them. Amen. As I'm praying, I feel like the Lord is saying, Fear not, for I am with you. And I remember what Jesus said in what we call, Amen, the Great Commission. He said, I am with you until the end of the age. Jesus promises by his Spirit never, ever to leave his people, never to leave us. And the Lord is saying, Fear not, for I am with you. Father, I thank you for that comforting word. Thank you so much. God, help us to die to ourselves so that fear has no place to grab hold. Help us to surrender. Amen. Yeah, amen. To surrender our desire to protect ourselves so that we can be fearless in the face of death. Death has no control anymore because your love drives out fear and there's no fear anymore. God, move us in that direction more and more that we would be fearless people. And Father, all of this is done in the name of Jesus for his sake. I pray that you would mm -hmm, continue to guide us, God, and help us more and more to glorify you and bring people into fellowship with you. Amen.